Hi, this is Chad Dull. Welcome to my Poverty Informed Podcast. Today I'd like to share with you a little bit about a reaction I had to an article a friend shared um, by Stephanie Land. And at the time I didn't know who Stephanie Land was, uh, but she's the author of Made. And the article sent me on to the show on Netflix, which I couldn't recommend more, uh, especially if you're trying to understand the intersections of domestic violence, emotional abuse, and poverty. Um, Well, anyway, it was a very triggering and meaningful show for me because it was just a lot of a lot of experiences I witnessed as a child were in that show and at least from my point of view done very accurately but like I said my entryway into that was this article that had uh, come across my social media feed and I want to share something I wrote in reaction to that um, and it, it's called the chip on my shoulder and it really started with this quote Stephanie Land wrote I had been pushed up to a different class of society, one I had been mistreated by for most of my adult life. This quote really hit me in a deep place, and it made me want to think and share. It's from that article in in Time magazine, and I encourage you to Google it. See, I didn't know who Stephanie Land was, but I should have. What I did know is as I read this short article, I had this visceral reaction and a deep connection to what she was saying. She seemed to be describing a feeling I had experienced most of my life. Now, as someone who grew up relatively poor, and I always acknowledge that others had it much harder, and transitioned in and out of poverty uh, a few different times, I've never felt like I completely fit in anywhere. That's just true. Now. Perhaps my personal experience is more universal than I thought. The quote I read took me back to being 14 and a paper I wrote in my freshman health class. At my high school, the freshman health class was taught by the football coach, and his big assignment of the term was a self-analysis. Apparently, 14-year-olds were supposed to do some introspection and really understand who we were. If you can hear the snark in my voice, it's hindsight makes the assignment feel pretty voyeuristic and gross. But I took it very seriously freshman year. In fact, I always took my grades seriously, and I'll explain more later why that was true. But first I want to tell you about a section of that paper where we were supposed to describe our relationships with our parents. Like I said, it was kind of voyeuristic. My mother had remarried a couple years before I had this class, and that marriage had improved our financial situation. In addition, uh, my stepfather at the time was related to some of the more well-off families in my little town, so things felt different. What I wrote in the self-analysis paper was this. I get frustrated with my mom because she acts different since we moved up the totally insignificant Cashton social ladder. Maybe 14-year-olds are more insightful than I thought. It was true, things were better for us, financially at least, but it all felt gross, even at 14. I was exactly who I had always been, but somehow we were now more acceptable. It created this dichotomy of being grateful for my new connections and friends 
and being resentful of them at the exact same time. You see, I hadn't forgotten how they looked at us when we moved to our town, and when my mom was single and younger than a mom was supposed to be. I remember the school superintendent telling my mom that there were children she should avoid allowing me to become friends with, and realizing my mom let me be friends with them anyway. But now at 14, we were part of the right crowd, and all that history was to be forgotten. Much of my own learning around how poverty reaches into lives has been refined by a multi-year endless conversation with my friend Mandy. Now Mandy grew up as solidly middle class as I did lower class, and this ongoing conversation has allowed us to work hard to understand how that particular difference has impacted us throughout our lives. Now I'd let her speak for herself on struggles she may have faced, but one of the things she always says about me is I have a chip on my shoulder that others really can't see or understand. Now Stephanie Land's article helped me understand it better. The chip comes from the contrast of wanting desperately to be fit, of wanting desperately to fit in, and then the resentment when they allow you in. Stephanie wrote in her article about being the kind of poverty story people are comfortable with. I get that. Like her, I'm white. I'm well-spoken, and I used my aptitude for school and the gift of being articulate to earn approval from middle-class gatekeepers. Now, this notion of being a good one and watching others in my circumstance being relegated to the discard pile made me angry and defensive. I suppose it makes me defensive for me a little, but a lot for people like me in general. It was not lost on me that my vocabulary and my reading ability kept people in power from writing me off, even though I was from the wrong kind of family and didn't have the things that other kids had. Another outcome of this is it made me intensely competitive in ways people couldn't see, but I never forgot. Like I said before, my grades were really important to me. My schoolwork was really important to me. You see, I would strive to excel in whatever I did, uh, music, theater, forensics, so that I could defy my perception of their expectations. And then it would feel like that achievement had gained me acceptance and I would hate the people who had accepted me. I would hate what felt like the falseness of the reasons I was able to move ahead while others could not. In my head, there was always this unspoken statement of, oh, now I'm good enough, huh? And that's as close as I can come to explaining to Mandy or anyone else what the chip on my shoulder really is. It's a generalized sense of just how unfair things are. I've spoken and written about this before and how it makes my reactions seem odd to others. I used to believe maybe that was just me, but years of training and speaking to others and reading Stephanie Land's article makes me believe it's more universal than I knew. So what does a chip on your shoulder look like over two decades past any real financial struggle? Well, it manifests in some of the ways Ms. Land described. She said she's more likely to hang out with caterers than with publishers at cocktail parties, and I so get that. As my own career has advanced, I've learned to play the part, but the feeling of never fitting in is always there. I, too, would just as soon talk to the staff as I would to presidents or CEOs. 
In fact, that dynamic feels fair to me. Other ways my own personal chip shows up is I can be kind of crude or, or let my humor be a couple degrees dirtier than you would expect from someone in my role, especially once we know each other a little. It sounds kind of silly as I say it, but this kind of naughty humor feels like loyalty to people like me who got left behind because they didn't know how to play or didn't get the chance to play games with the gatekeepers. You see, it's sort of an ongoing game. I earn your trust, and then I defy your expectations. In my head, it feels like opening the door just a crack and maybe creating an opportunity or an opening for someone who may be more talented than me but who hasn't learned to play the game or isn't willing to. Truly, I admire the courage of those who refuse to play the game, and I get upset with myself for not being them sometimes. There's a million other ways this chip on my shoulder from years ago shows up, but let me share one more. I often feel as if I'm representing others, even if no one else seems to see it that way. I applied for a college presidency a few months ago. Uh, I didn't get it. They hired someone else who's great. But what's important is during the whole process, in my mind, I kept thinking I would prove something by getting this job, something that was bigger than me. I would prove people like me belong in those spaces. Now from the outside looking in, no one else sees this. They just see a veteran leader pursuing a new opportunity, and frankly, a, a leader who looks like a lot of the other leaders pursuing those opportunities. But I'm letting my guard down and sharing it here because it's a real feeling for me, and I suspect it's true of others like me. I like to say that people bring their entire selves to our colleges. And so I'm sharing my own experience to show the complexity all of us have inside. As poverty-informed practitioners, I, I, it's hard to know what to do with this information. But if after more than 20 years of financial stability, someone like me still feels like a misfit, imagine what a person crossing your threshold for the first time must feel. Trust me, the people you serve who have been in the crisis of poverty are already questioning whether they should even be there. Now it's your job to show them they belong. So I ask this of you. Welcome them in exactly as they are. Find value in who they are right now and not in who they will be when they learn to act like you. You want them to know they are welcome, but more importantly, they need to know they are wanted. People in the crisis of poverty need to know your school or business is for people just like them. You aren't here to fix them. You are going to value them and lean into their strengths and gifts. You aren't going to shake your head when they say things they shouldn't. You are just going to radically accept them and embrace their glorious humanity. Would you be surprised if they might be carrying a chip of their own? Let's see what we can do to not let it derail their dreams. <laughs>